If you've got a Bible, let's go to um, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you're new to church, a couple great apps for you, even if you're, you come all the time, a couple great apps is Version and Bible Hub. I use both of those all the time. And Bible Hub's great for your daily devotions. Uh, that's one of our core practices is daily devotions. And we're in the Lent season, so we have Lent devotionals we're going through together as a church. You can get those at corechurch.com. Right there on the homepage, you'll see all the information about Lent, all that we're doing. Uh, and it, it just grab that. We have some really good things for you for the, for the Lent season. Our word for this year is uh, inconvenient faith. That convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. It's not easy to follow Jesus. It's not easy to do the things that God has called us to do. It's, it's honestly, it's inconvenient in our world to, we're going countercultural following Jesus. And so we've decided to take all of 2022 and look at our eight core practices, although we're not calling them eight practices, we're calling them eight inconvenient practices because that's what they are. They're, they're not easy. Like our series right now is on generous giving, but how many of you know it's not easy to be generous, okay, in your giving? Amen? Oh, come on. Can I, can I just share this? I don't even know about time. I'm going to share this real quick. Like, this is, this is fresh manna from heaven right here. Yesterday, I'm coaching the boys, seven and eight-year-olds, and I'm standing there in the huddle, as only seven and eight-year-olds can do. One of them goes, man, that's a cool watch, coach. Can I have it? Focus. And I said, and he's a cute kid, his name's Nathan, and I said, you make, you get one rebound, you make one basket, you can have my watch. And now the rest of the kids, well, can I have it if I make one? If I am, they just haul it. No, just Nathan, just Nathan. Now what you have to understand is this was my favorite watch. And, and uh, I knew this kid probably didn't have a chance at making a, a it wasn't gonna happen. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I ain't giving up my favorite watch. And he got his rebound in the middle of the quarter and I was like, oh no, oh no. And this kid was a beast, I'm telling you. He was going after every ball. He was stealing it from his own teammates, chucking up shots. <laughs> I know his parents were like, what is he doing? What's happened to him? He never made a shot. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I get to keep my favorite watch. Yes. I don't care if we win or lose. I just want my watch. And so in the, in the final quarter, though, I just sensed God saying, you remember how I called you to extravagant generosity, Brad? Give him the watch. Ha. Ah. So I did. I unstrapped the watch, and I, I just handed it to him. And uh, I was like, man, God, I, I thought I'd give away money. I don't want to give away my favorite things. Giving is inconvenient. It's going to cost you something. And it's not just money. It's your time, it's your talent, and your treasure. Last week we talked about giving our time. Today I want to talk about giving our talent. What does it mean to give our talent? So Jeremiah chapter 1, let's go there. If you're new to Scripture, Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, kind of a preacher. And this is his calling and how he started. And look at verse 4. It says, uh, the Lord gave me this message. And I'm reading, by the way, out of the New Living Translation. So if you're looking that up on an app or something, I'm in the New Living Translation. So God said this, I, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you got to go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Let's talk about 
giving our talent. Let's pray. Father, in these few minutes that we have together, would you, would you help us? You just, we love it. Your presence is here. You're already working. Can you just, church, just thank God right now. Just thank you, God, for already working, already talking to me. I sense your presence. I'm thankful for you. And now, God, give us some clarity through your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay, you can be seated. How, how many of you, show of hands, because uh, I want audience participation here, how many of you would say you like superhero movies or superheroes? Raise your hands. Super, raise them up. Raise them up. Okay. Wow, that's, that's, that's a lot. Of, I, I don't. I, uh, <laughs> so I just isolated myself from three-fourths of the congregation. That's always the best way to start your talk. I, I, I want to be a fan. I, 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 I've, I've tried to be a fan, but I just can't get into it. Like, I, I don't know why anybody went to see Spider-Man at midnight. I, what, I don't do anything at midnight. Laura woke me up in the middle of COVID. She's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I need to go to the emergency room. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what time is it? She's like, 1230. 1230. I'm like, okay, can we go in the morning? No, I didn't say that. I'm just you're like, did you really do that? I don't think I can attend this church anymore. I, I just, I just, I don't, I, I don't get, I don't, you know, I don't understand, you know, men running around in tights. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get the thing, you know. I mean, it, it worked for Bon Jovi in the '80s. I get that, you know. It's cool for him. And the disguise, this is what I don't get. It's just so unrealistic. The disguise, like, hey, glasses on, glasses off. You don't recognize me. I take my glasses off. Like, it's like this, like, oh. Hey, where did Pastor Brad go? Do we have a guest speaker today? What is this? No, it's me. I, I, I don't, I, I, I just don't get it because, and then the, then you got the superpowers that they, they have, which I just don't, I mean, it's, I guess I need something realistic. I, it, 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 you got bit by a spider and now you have webs coming out of every orifice of your body. And, and you're swinging from skyscrapers in your PJs. I, I just, I, some of you are very angry at me right now. You are, I can just, you're like, I can't go to church here anymore. If this is the way he's going to preach, I am not a part of this congregation. When, when it comes to our, our talents and our uh, abilities, I, I think this is how a lot of us feel, that super, superpowers are reserved for the chosen few like celebrities and musicians and athletes and artists, you know, uh, people like uh, Carrot Top and Nicolas Cage, you know. <laughs> okay, maybe not those two. But, you know, us mere mortals, you know, we just stand back in amazement and awe and wonder, wow, but not, not me because it's so unrealistic. But I think the reason we're drawn to, to superheroes is because I think deep down inside, we all want to believe it's possible that, that I, I can make a contribution. I, I can make a difference, uh, that, that my, my, life, my life might count for something. We, we want to believe that, but, but it just seems so unrealistic. I mean, come on, you're all in a core group right now. 
and you've been through the abilities assessment, you sat around in the little circle, and everybody, okay, everybody, share your abilities. And everybody's going around, and nobody was there like, well, you know, so this is my five, blah, 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 blah. Boom. Nobody's doing that, are they? I mean, you're going around, here's how it goes in every core group when they start sharing abilities. Okay, so it's your turn to share. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it said uh, I've got this one, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I don't, I, don't I'm, I guess I might be one. I'm not sure. Because we're all just so, it just seems so unrealistic that I could actually have that ability, that I could actually do something and make a, a contribution. So how do we overcome our insecurities? How do we become all that God created us to be? I think we get some answers here from Jeremiah and in his calling. So let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 where God is speaking to Jeremiah and he says this, I knew you, say it with me, before I formed you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, say this with me, I set you apart and appointed you. So he set Jeremiah apart, he appointed him as a prophet to the nations. This is, this is a, God was so purposeful. Think about this. He's like, okay, there's, there's this time and there's this place. I'm going to need a prophet. I, I, I've got some people. I've got some problems. And so now I'm going to step over here and I'm going to go to work informing and shaping Jeremiah. He's looking out over human history and he's forming him and shaping him before that season and that time even happens. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. That's something we say often around here. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God thought about you just like he thought about Jeremiah. These words aren't just reserved for Jeremiah the prophet. These are words that God speaks over you that I knew you before you were born. I, I formed you. I set you apart. I, I've appointed you. Like this idea that, that God looked out over human history, saw a, a time and a place and a people and a need, and he went to work on you. He said, I'm, I'm going to form them, I'm going to shape them, I'm going to put these talents, these abilities, these giftings, make them this way, and then I'm going to place them here. Turn to somebody and say, God thought about you. God thought about you. Now, we hear all of this, and we're like, well, of course, Jeremiah. I mean, my goodness, say hello. I mean, look at this guy, but, but not me. I'm not making some great historical impact. They're not writing books about me. I'm not a YouTube sensation. You know, never gone viral for anything. Had COVID, but it, that didn't even go viral for me. I mean, it was just, that's how sad it is for me. Like, I, I mean, I don't have any followers. I don't have any, I don't have a, a stage or an impact. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I think most of us would say I'm, I'm not that big a deal. That's what most of us say. In fact, they've done surveys and they found that 85% of us struggle with insecurity. Think of 8.5, like 9 out of 10 people in this room, including this guy on the stage, struggle with insecurities. In other words, 9 out of 10 of us in this room say, I'm not really that, that big a deal. 
So coming up here in a couple of weeks, we're, we're going to be celebrating one of, the, one of the greatest moments in human history. Come on, somebody. Can we just celebrate that for a moment? I mean, in just a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating. That's right. March Madness starts in, in two, you know, just two weeks, people. Get your brackets filled out. Hey, I know you're all thinking, Easter. We're talking about Easter. I said one of the greatest moments. Pay attention. I didn't say the greatest moment. Anyway, March Madness is coming up. I live for March Madness. I, it's just everything to me. I take uh, sick days, the very first day, two days of the tournament, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. No one can get near me. I am locked in my room, sitting in my chair, watching basketball nonstop. I take sick days because it is a sickness, and it technically <laughs> qualifies. But I'm really excited about this tournament in particular because uh, Mike Krzyzewski, it's his final tournament. And there's one fan. Thank you. Uh, rest of you are like, how do you even spell that? I don't even know how to spell it. Coach K is what uh, most people call him. If you don't know who he is, he is arguably the greatest coach in all of athletics, in the history of sports. And last night, he had his final game at Cameron Indoor, and uh, Laura actually watched the end of the game with me, and they, they had a big ceremony for him. Laura cried. I watched her. She was crying. I was like, she's crying for March Madness. Yes, I knew it was going to happen. But, but, it, she was, but listen, he, he's been married like 53 years. He's got all these kids, and, and they start they, all the banners. And this, this guy, he's, it's funny that his nickname is Coach K because he's won over 1,000 games. And he's coached at Duke University for over four decades. Over four decades. He's won five national championships and three gold medals. Okay, that's impact, people. That's impact. And then you got Brad Farnsworth over here coaching little seven- and eight-year-olds in a rec league. Can I have your watch? I bet no blue chipper ever said that to Coach K in a huddle. And I, I'm just being transparent. I'm like, I look, impact. That's, that's impact. And here I am over with this squirrely kids. They're running on. Am I even, I, does this even matter? What am I, does, does this even, what you're doing matters. God is not asking you to impact the world. He's just asking you to impact the one you're living in. That's what you're called to do. He has is, he is set you apart as he did with Jeremiah. And he, he has appointed you as a dad, as a mom. That's one of the most important responsibilities you will ever have in your lifetime. Helping and shaping and forming a, a, a young child. And, and it, he's, he's placed you and formed you and shaped you and appointed you for that boardroom that you find yourself in. To make those decisions, to help that company, to make a difference in the world. He's appointed you for that back room where no one sees you. No one, where it seems like it's so meaningless. He's, he thought about you, he's equipped you, and he's put you on that campus, in that classroom with those 30 students, in that club, on that team. He's put you in that workspace. He's put you in that neighborhood. Everywhere that you are was intentional by God. He even put you in this church on purpose for a purpose. You're in your core group, the one that you're in, on purpose for a purpose. He's calling some of you. I talked to somebody this week that said, we feel called to start a core group. I said, do it. 
Because that's what God has put in you. And we need more of that because they see, I see God can use me. And that is who you are and that's what you were created. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Can we get an amen? Amen. But we all have doubts. I can see it in you. I can see the wrestling in you. Like you, you want to believe it, but you believe it for the person next to you and in front of you and behind you, but you don't really believe it for yourself, and that's okay because we're all in the same boat on that one. Like somebody right now in this room, this is what's crazy, they're believing it for you, and you don't even believe it for you. But that's what we're doing. Well, of course for them and of course for, for that person there, but we all, we all have insecurities. We, we all have doubts, we all struggle, encourage somebody next to you and say, I've got some hang-ups. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I, I, got, I got some hang-ups. I, I, ain't got, I ain't got it all together. This is Jeremiah, no different. Great, mighty prophet of God. But remember, this is the beginning of his call. He's just getting started. Verse six, he says, O sovereign Lord, what are those two words? What does he say? I, I can't. I, I can't speak for you. I, I, I'm too young. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you feel like Jeremiah. You say, man, I, I, can't, I can't do anything great for God like Jeremiah. I, I'm too young. Do you know that, that most scholars believe that Jeremiah was 17 years old when God spoke this over him? 17, and God's like, you're going to be a prophet for the nation of Israel. Yeah, I get the I can't on that one. He's only 17. In 1955, Rosa Parks famously sat on a bus and would not give up her seat, and she was arrested. There in that city, the civil rights leaders gathered in the basement of, a, of an old church, and they tried to figure out a game plan and what they were going to do. And when the meeting was all done and, and finished, they, they pointed to the, the pastor of the church and said, we need you to lead us. We need you to give the speech tomorrow. And he said, me, I can't give my this speech. What are you talking about? And it was Martin Luther King Jr. He was 26 when he was appointed to be the leader of the civil rights movement. 34 when he stood on those steps and gave that famous speech, I have a dream. You're not too young. Maybe you might say, well, forget that. I'm just too old. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I mean, time has passed me by. I mean, I don't feel that way. I'm on the too young side. I get that. I'm still thinking. But sometimes you feel like I- I- I'm-, I'm too old. But let's not forget that, one of- that God birthed a nation through a couple that were in their 90s. Abraham and Sarah were in their 90s when they gave birth to Isaac and a nation was birthed. What could God birth through you in your age? Rosa Parks, when she sat on that bus, she's 42 years old. Midlife, what, what kind of difference could I make? What could I have? Billy Graham, when he preached his last sermon, 93 He wrote his last book when he was 97. What could God be birthing through you? Turn to somebody, encourage him, say, God's going to birth something through you. God is going to birth something through you. All of us have an I can't. All of us. 
We have an I can't. And it's screaming at our soul. And the loudest voice is, is our own. I can't because I'm too young. I can't because I'm too old. I can't because I'm broke. I can't because I don't have the right education. I, I can't because I'm introverted. I can't because I don't have influence. I can't because I don't have the look. I can't. Look what the Lord says in verse 7. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. In other words, what God is trying to say to you right now, hey, don't, don't say that you're too old, too young, too rich, too poor. Don't say that you don't have the right education. Don't, don't say that you're introverted. Don't use that excuse. Don't, don't say that you don't have the right pedigree, that you don't have the right look, that you don't have the right influence. Don't, don't say that. When, when, when someone says, I can't, they need somebody to come alongside them and say, yes, you can. Let's, let's practice that together. Turn to somebody in front of you and behind you and say, yes, you can. Come on. Yes, you can. I think that's our superpower. I, I think as followers of Jesus... That's our superpower to say, yes, you can. We, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit with this hope. You have the healing in you. you. You have the peace of Christ in you. You have purpose and meaning in you. You have something to give to the world. You have a superpower. Mom, dad, you have a superpower. Young people are swimming in it now. Oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm, I'm not a teenager or a child right now. It is not a fair fight. I don't know how, if you're, if you're uh, in high school or younger I, or even in college, I don't even know how you're doing it. I don't know how you get on social media without just feeling like you're a complete loser. Everybody else got the great life. Everybody else getting more likes than you. Everybody's got more followers than you. Then you show up at school. People laugh at you for what you're wearing because you don't wear the right brand. You don't have this. Your hair doesn't look right and all this. Mom, dad, when they walk into your house, your child needs to hear, yes, you can. They need to hear that. They need to know that. They need to believe that. They need to hear it from you. But, but let me talk to the sons and daughters. How many of you are here are a son or a daughter? Raise your hand if you're a son or a daughter. This is not a trick question. This is not a trick Full audience participation, please. How many of you are sons and daughters? Okay. Your mom and your dad need to hear, yes, you can. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how old they are. If you're a teenager, guess what? If you're in college, your parents are swimming in it every day, thinking, life's passed me by. Am I ever going to get ahead? Am I going to ever make a difference? Here's a big thing. I pull back the curtain a little bit. I got four kids. They're already gone. What do I care? Am I, am I providing what they need? Do they think I'm a good dad? I'm trying, but I can't buy them that. I can't get them this. I can't get them into that thing. I can't make that happen. And, and mom, same thing. And, and, and Man, as a son or daughter, you can come alongside your parents who are struggling, just trying to figure out a way and make a way, and they believe in you and they love you, and they need to hear it just as much from you that, Mom, I believe in you. Dad, I believe in you. I'm telling you, if you, if you hear that from your child, whoo, 
I'd put some wind in your sails right there. You've got friends that need to hear that. Yes, you can. You're, God has put you in a core group because people need to hear, yes, you can. Because you're saying, well, I don't know. I mean, I think I have. The, right now, in the middle of core purpose, I don't know if that's really my gift. I don't know if that's who I am. And I, mean, I guess it, you need to be looking at them and say, I see that in you. And I believe in you. And I believe God is going to use you. Turn to somebody, encourage them again, and say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. My coach and mentor, Dave Jewett, uh, he said that the most important words you can ever say to a person is this, I believe in you. And I've just adopted that. And I love to say that to people. I believe in you. Let's look back at verse 7. This is... Uh, God talking to Jeremiah, and he says this. Say it with me. You must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. At Core Church, we are the everyday church. We're not just a Sunday church. We, we believe that we're not called just to be here, but we're called to go. That God says, oh, oh, he's not, he's sending me from this place today. He's going to send you from this place today. He's going to send you to some people, and he's going to tell you to say whatever you need to say. One of the things we say is this. We are all missionaries on mission, assigned to a mission field. And God is not expecting you to be a superhero. He wants to use ordinary people, and what he's asking you to do is be faithful and obedient. That's it. Just be faithful to where I placed you and be obedient to where I placed you. That's it. No other expectations are put on you. All other expectations are put on you by men and women of this earth. But God's expectation for you is this. You be faithful, you be obedient where I placed you. And I want, I want uh, I'm going to ask Paula Neal to come. Paula's going to come. She's going to share for just a, a minute here. Give Paula some love as she comes. I think they're going to bring us a couple chairs so we can sit down because I want you guys to hear a little bit of um, Paula's story. Paula is, if you don't know Paula, Paula is on staff with us, and she's one of our associate pastors, and she works with connections and that. But if you saw out there in the lobby, um, you know if you saw it or not, but she's got some books that she just released on Amazon that she is selling. Come on, somebody. Is that not awesome? <laughs> but this journey for Paula... Um, Let's talk about this because I know that uh, this is not like you woke up one day and you just, you, you wrote a book. No, not at all. Um, it really started, it's, it's kind of ironic that we are going through Core Purpose right now because I think my journey started with Core Purpose about five or six years ago. And we went through it and there was a question that said, what are your untapped abilities? And one of the ones that I wrote down was writing. And an untapped ability is, is just an ability that you haven't developed or you weren't aware of. And uh, the encouragement in that was to start exploring your untapped ab abilities. And so that's what I did. I just started praying about it and thinking about it and denying it <laughs> um, and just wondering about it and just kept feeling God telling me to write, just write, just write. And I noticed my journaling, because I was, a, was one that would journal, like, for my devotion time. Noticed that that started to change and be deeper and longer in spending that time. But it took me about a year before I really started to really write. And that was God just 
very clearly one day told me to write a devotional. And I thought, I don't know how to write a devotional. I don't know. I don't even read devotionals because I'm really more of a study. I like to do Bible studies more. And so I really, it wasn't something that I did. And so I thought the intelligent thing to do would be to Google it. So that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Google your purpose. That's what you're learning today. That's right. Google your purpose. What are the components of a devotional? And so I just kind of started researching it and reading devotionals and, and trying to understand what that was. And I just started to write. And so for about a year, I wrote devotionals, and I didn't even tell my closest friends. I kept it a secret. Now, let's talk about that. Why, okay. Why did you keep it a secret? Was it, let's talk, because Jeremiah, they, we're talking about this idea of this, these ideas of insecurities. Were there some things in you that went, i just a little nervous about putting this out there? Oh, incredibly nervous. I mean, when, when you talked about 85% of us <laughs> have insecurities, oh, well, I'm one of the 85, so I don't know who the other 84 are, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely in that. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, to, to, to go to somebody and present something that you've done and say, because this is what I did. Um, these were a group of ladies that I was doing Bible study with, and one time when we were meeting, I just said, I, I'm doing something I haven't told you guys about, and kind of scared them for a minute. And <laughs> that's true. And um, I, I said, I've been writing, and I'm just not sure if, I know God's calling me to write, but I don't know if it's just for me or if I'm supposed to share it. But to go to somebody and say, I've been writing, would you read this? Would you look at it? Would you, would you tell me what you think? It's just incredibly hard, and it's so vulnerable, especially since the writings were so much of, of me and um, just the struggles that I was going through. I was writing about it. So they were basic. Psalm 91 are my journals in a book form. So something you and I didn't talk about that I, I want you to just hit for just a moment is when you, God's put a dream in every one of us. And when you go to step out there, you didn't just put it out on Facebook. You, you went, I'm sure, went to people that you, you really trusted and you knew that they believed in you. Absolutely. That is 100% something that you need to do. If you have, first of all, the most, the hardest thing that I did was to give it a voice, to speak it out, to tell somebody. That was the hardest step that I took was telling somebody. Um, but you want to be careful who you tell because you could tell that person. And honestly... I think sometimes we tell the people that we know are going to be negative about it just to hear that, oh, yeah, see, I knew I couldn't do it. But you want to go to people who are going to be honest with you but are going to encourage you and love on you and support you and and be there every step of the way with you. Um, So really be careful who, especially when you're first telling somebody, who that is that you Yeah, like telling your kids about your book cover. What do you think of my book cover? And then... (laughs) Her kids this who is a true story. are all like in graphic arts and design, they're like, no, mom, no, no, no. And they took it and redesigned the whole thing. And they did. With that. They did. So, like, I, I have uh, two that live in uh, Arizona, and this is right around Christmas time, and I was trying to get them um, published before Christmas so they'd be available and all that. And I got a text message that said, mom, <laughs> could you just wait until we get there? <laughs> so... 
But now, right. so what I like, Paul, though, is you just started writing with no, like, hey, I'm going to be this great published art author and I'm going to be the next whatever. And now you've really taken this step, um, I mean, to be extremely vulnerable and to write and to publish it. Um, and now it's out there for the public. Uh, talk for a moment just about that step of faith. How did you... How did you do that? That's what I'd like to, how did you say, okay, I'm going to step out there. I'm going to do this. Again, it was something that I felt like God was calling me to do. And so I was praying about it and journaling about it and fretting about it and all those kinds of things. But I had people in my life that even people who didn't even know that they were given me a specific word that I needed. And so this is something that, um, you know, when we talk about our abilities and our spiritual gifts and what can I do, sometimes what you do is just to give somebody an encouraging word or give somebody a, a, a word from God. I actually had, during the time that I was really contemplating publishing, it was, uh, I think it was two years ago, and it was New Year's Day, and I posted something on Facebook just about the new year. It was just a little inspiring uh, thing about the new year. And I had somebody in the comments say, Paula, you need to write and publish because you have wisdom that we need to hear. And I really took hold of that. Um, and I worked with two different life coaches over the last couple of years who have just been amazing. And you tell a life coach something, it's reality. It is going to happen. There's... <laughs> Is that true? That is so true. That is, yeah. You're no longer thinking about it. You are. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so now you publish them. Let's, let's talk about your books because we're going to have these out in the lobby. People want to purchase them, which was so nerve-wracking for you to go, what? And I said, no, I want you to bring your books. We're going to sell them. Um, so what, what four devotionals do you, do you have? Okay, it's really funny because when... She, this was the most awkward thing for her, by the yeah. way. She's like, you want me to bring the books up and show people? Uh, I said, yes, please. Yes, it is. It is very awkward that this whole thing is. So I, what I, what I, <laughs> I, it's not awkward to come up here and talk about it because I'm not here to talk about my books. I'm here to inspire you to do what it is that God's calling you to do and just to take whatever obedient steps, whatever your next step is to do. And you talked about, you know, being, you know, famous and all of that. God didn't tell me to sell 10,000 books. Mm. All he told me to do was write. Mm. And that was my very first step was to just write. And he has led me along the way. So my role, what I feel like I'm here up here to do today is to inspire you to take a step towards whatever it is that God is wanting you to do. And if you don't know, that's your first step mm. is to spend some time. It's Lent. Make that your Lent purpose is to spend some time with God on that. I like that because you're saying what is this idea is like right now, whatever God, whatever that next step is, it's being faithful and being obedient. This is what God's told me to do. I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but I need to be faithful and I need to be obedient in this little step. And now you got four. What are the names of them so we can? They're Refresh, Beauty Within, Elements of Trusting, and Psalm 91 are the four. It was so interesting uh, when my kids sat down with me to design the covers um, because they wanted to know the personality of each book. And so they asked me all kinds of odd questions, like, where, if, if this book were to go on vacation, where would it go? What? <laughs> what is that? 
I don't know, <laughs> but it worked. These are amazing covers. Um, but what was really interesting, once they were all done and I looked at them, they looked like the seasons, like spring, winter, summer, and fall. And as I was working on the uh, subtitles for them, I realized that each one of these is a season that we go through in our lives. We all go through things, and each one represents a season for us. And another interesting thing that I don't think you even realized is that each one is a part of the hope, healing, peace, and purpose. Mm -hmm. As I went through and, and I actually journaled a little bit about each book to come up with the subtitle so that when somebody saw the subtitle, they would know what this book was going to speak to them about. And when I was done with the subtitles, there's one that says peace. There's one that says mm. healing. There's one that says, um, what's the other one? <laughs> you got them all out of, you're good. Hope I did get them all out of order. Yeah. Um, the only one that doesn't say purpose, but it is, it says to reimagine yeah. life, and that is your purpose. But it was so interesting wow. how God had put all that together. And I've written this over the last few years without that purpose in so mind. So the reason, too, why it's so important to do what God tells you to do when he tells you to do it is because things, he wants to line some things up. And what Paula doesn't know, but uh, our next series that we're doing is called Seasons. And we'll be talking about the season of winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's our series for Lent. And so I would encourage you to pick these books up as we get ready for that series. <laughs> she didn't even know that's happening. Um, for that series and, and maybe use these as a tool because you, you may be in a season of winter, spring, summer, or fall, and you go, man, as you hear those messages, you go, that's me. And when you hear that, you can go and pick up a resource that can really help you with that. You just give Paula some love. Come on. Thank Paula. Thank you. So God says this in verse 8 to Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you. I was at the gathering last year back when it was warm. Anybody remember when it was warm? I mean, it was warm yesterday, but, uh, but now it's cold again. Uh, welcome to Oklahoma. So I was at the gathering with Laura, and one of my favorite places to go at the gathering is the kids' zone, the kids' play area. Is that not insane? Do you not, as an adult, go, where was this when I was a kid? What happened to Tulsa? I mean, what? I just, all I had was a metal slide that took off three layers of skin. What is this? I mean, it's, it's so much. I love walking through there because I just envision what it'd be like to, to be a kid. And then sometimes I just follow a kid like, yeah, I'm his grandpa. And I just kind of do the <laughs> kid's like, why do you keep following me, mister? But <laughs> my favorite part, though, is the, the little toddler area. Because when you go in the toddler area, the kids are so cute. I mean, because they're, I saw this one kid, and he couldn't have been maybe a year and a half old, and he was just doing the little, little duck waddle thing, you know. And, and he, he was just right on the edge of falling, just right on the edge of just collapsing. But what I noticed was his mom was walking right behind him as, as he was walking, and he was toddling like this, like this. And then, boom, he went down, and he's like, ah. And mom was right there to go, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You could do it. And he gets up, and he goes, okay. And he starts waddling again. And, and mom was just walking behind him the, the entire time. I was just mesmerized by this, and she was behind him. And then he fell down again, and she's like, you got it. You're okay. Get up. And he got up, and he looked at his mom, and he's like, I think I do got this. And, and he's trying to really do it. And that's God. 
You're like toddling along. You, you're making mistakes. I don't know if I have this talent. I don't know if I have this ability. I don't even know if you can use me for this. Is Maybe this is a waste of time. And you fall flat on your face. And God's like, it's okay. Get back up because I believe in you. You can do this. And he's cheering you on. And he's right there. And then you fall down again. And he's right there to pick you up. You can have confidence. And you begin to square your shoulders. You start to believe in yourself. And you start to move forward because you, when you look behind you, you're like, ha, my father is standing right behind me. I'm going to be okay. He created you on purpose for a purpose.